and welcome to Canadians with Disabilities and Their Allies. My name is Brent Frayne. I'm the host. And the show is also known as PWD Allies Podcast. Check it out on your favorite app where you find it best suited. Today, I have Carla Verchubert. If I pronounce your name right, Carla? It's Verscher. Verscher. I almost got that. I was like, Verscher. I didn't want to say your name wrong, your last name. It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Yeah, it, it's such a great pleasure having you join us today. And Carla is actually from uh, Inclusion BC. It's a great pleasure having you on. And the last time that I saw you was in front of the BC legislature under the big tent with a lot of other advocacy groups. Um, today, uh, for everyone tuning in, today is season two, episode one. So this is a great pleasure having you join us today, Carla. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. So happy to be here. Yeah. So, uh, yes. And thank you for coming on. So there's lots to dive into today. Um, We're going to talk about uh, the upcoming uh, BC budget. Uh, Do you think that there's going to be anything in the BC budget uh, that you foresee um, for people with disabilities in the province of British Columbia? Oh, boy, I hope so, Brent. Um, I know what I'm going to be looking for in, in terms of the work that Inclusion BC does. Would it be helpful if I just kind of like share yeah. my wish list for the BC budget? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, we're a little bit of a different organization because Inclusion BC is a provincial advocacy federation. So we have members sprinkled throughout the province and we also work across a lifespan. So from the twilight, or the twinkle years to the twilight mm-hmm. years. So when we look at um, like the BC budget through a disability lens, we're looking for things in lots of different places. So some of the pain points that we see, and we would like some investment and some intentional investment with a targeted allocation to things, right? So definitely we we talk about um, $10 a day childcare and inclusive childcare, but one of the things that we're seeing at Inclusion BC is that does not include all children. Mm. And that um, many children with disabilities are being kind of systemically excluded from child care programs because there is targeted funding both around additional supports to be there as well as the capacity of early childhood educators to support all children in their environment. So we're always looking for money there. And as you kind of follow the chronological chronological age, um, Inclusion BC has an individual and family advocacy program. Mm-hmm. that supports about 1,200 people per year. So 600 oh. or over half of those callers are usually parents that whose children that are in the K-12 system are being excluded from their neighborhood schools and classrooms. Oh. Um, so we would really like to see some targeted investment in supporting inclusive education and building inclusive schools. Mm-hmm. As people graduate out of the K-12 system, then we get into more um, disability-related supports and the persons with disability benefits, which is, I think, where you and our, like, my interests and your interests really align, which is why we met outside of the provincial legislature. Like, we really, you know, in in a country as wealthy as Canada, in a province as wealthy as BC, it is an atrocity what our income support rates are at right now. So, and and do you think a disability uh, disappears at at sixty five? Gosh no, gosh no, no. Oh, gosh no. <laughs> no. Um, but I think the reason no. why the people start talking because be, be, but there's yeah no I'll just answer that question Neil no I do not. Um, but um, it's certainly one's life and quality of life would be a lot better when they turn 65 if the supports and services and income that they needed to live a healthy life were there, right? Mm-hmm. Like the longevity and health and wellness of people would be significantly better when people hit 65 if they're supported throughout their life. So yeah. um, Absolutely. 
there it's kind of a weird phenomena, right? Because some supports kick in at your 65 that you that you probably could have needed when you were with 45, right? But yeah. aren't available for you. So it's like yeah. neither one of those systems work particularly well. And they're both kind of run from a scarcity model. So um, yeah. it's hard to compare them because I don't really think either one are fully meeting people's needs from our experience as frontline advocates. But mm -hmm. well, especially when you have like the uh, GIS and OAS and CPP for seniors, uh, as we know, I mean, the GIS is extremely low. I think I think it's maximum in all total, I think it's like eighteen hundred dollars a month uh, to live on. And as we know, like the market rents right now are, uh, well, I mean, depending on the community, but you're looking at no less than $2,000 a month. I mean, that's just for rent. I mean, then you've got your hydro and your living expenses and, and your disability uh, resources and needs that you have on top of all that. So you're probably looking at a ballpark figure just to maybe live comfortably um, for $5,000 a month. Yeah, the number of seniors... That are, that are experiencing severe um, food insecurity, housing insecurity. Um, yeah, it's going off. Yeah, isolation and loneliness due to those factors. Like mm -hmm. it's, um, yeah, it's definitely you know there's there's a pretty acute crisis there, and we so, see that in most social programs, it's showing up there yeah. in very in large numbers where there's there's huge strain. And particularly the community that I live in, in the Joyce Collingwood, um, mm -hmm. one of the most significant issues of our community um, is food insecurity for seniors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's a, it's a very real issue that it probably doesn't get the attention that it deserves. There's a huge uptick right now on the uh, food bank usage <laughs> for sure, uh, and uh, the shelves are actually becoming very bare at food banks. Yeah. The what point. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> I keep looking for a spot to. <laughs> um, I was going to say, Brent, the point that you always make on on the podcast, and I think it's a great one, is is um, you know, our social assistance is set up in a in a way that it's like it's uh, pitting disabled against disabled, and uh, it's like, well, you deserve. Uh, a subsidized rent and then but you deserve to to pay market value and right. and um you know and now we have even like if you wanted to pit uh disabled against the elderly you could you can do that now too because you can say the elderly deserve a bus pass but the disabled don't you know right. and all this kind of like fighting like infighting between like who mm -hmm. deserves what you know and but it's, it's like you're actually pitting like disabled against disabled and disabled against uh, elderly. And it's like, you deserve this pile and you deserve this pile over here. And nope. And none of the two shall mix. And it's just like, are you crazy? You know, it's just like, it's just nuts. One it, of the it, yeah. Go ahead, Brett. Sorry. Yeah. It definitely is a good point on that, Neil. And thanks for bringing that up. Cause yes, I, I do talk a lot about that. It's um, the uh, individuals that are in, um, you know, BC housing, uh, you know, it's, it's contracted out of BC housing into uh, other subsidized housing um, service providers. Um, you know, sure, people, I mean, who doesn't want to have cheaper rent? Uh, I think these this day and age uh, where housing is, a, you know, the, basically the critics call it a housing crisis. I call it a housing emergency. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be treated like a housing emergency because the rents are not going cheaper. Uh, people on uh, disability assistance in the province of BC get maximum $500 for their shelter. Now, not all PWD get, got that uh, $125 increase uh, in the February 28th, 2023 budget. Um, now, the ones in subsidized housing did not get it. Or if your rent did not go above the that threshold, above the 375, if you did not you know, indicate that your rent didn't go up, which everyone's did in, in market housing. So you, most people did get that, but the ones in subsidized housing did not get that 125. Now their costs have gone up uh, extraordinary costs. I mean, sure they get subsidized rent um, and which is great. I think everyone should have an opportunity of having uh, their uh, income attested to 30% of their income, a rent geared to income. Now, you know, but the cost of living has gone up for your disability related equipment, uh, cost of food, uh, any kind of resources, everything, as we all know, has gone up right through the roof. Now, I think that everybody should have received that 125 across the scale. 
And of course, there'd be arguments where people say, well, they're in subsidized housing. Why do they need 125 extra? Why wouldn't they? I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a, it's not a conversation that I think has a valid point. <laughs> like, I don't yep. think that anyone could make the argument that someone living on persons with disability benefits could not benefit and their quality of life would not benefit for um, um, exactly. an additional yeah. increase. So it is a weird argument to make. Um, and, it, you know, as much as, you know, we have, this is the first time in a long time that we have, we've seen incremental increases we need to acknowledge that there is still incredibly insignificant and um, keep pushing, keep pushing at every level of government, both provincial and federally for a meaningful um, income security program for people with disabilities, despite what type of disability they have to your point. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to touch on what Neil was saying earlier, because yeah. it's something that I, I often, um, I, I struggle with the conversation or the way that we frame the conversations, right? And uh, we were talking about pitting seniors against people with disabilities, which happens all the time. Oh, um, yeah. But, or or people with disabilities um, against homeless populations or people yes. experiencing housing insecurity. So we 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 put the people in these categories mm -hmm. without the thoughtfulness or the, rec or the acknowledgement that people cross over these categories. Mm -hmm. Obviously, people with disabilities age. And are represented in the in the seniors population, as are people with disabilities rep represented in the um, homelessness population. So when we when we define people using these narrow criteria, um, mm. I I think we develop programs and services and initiatives that really don't don't meet the needs of the demographic more broadly. We're looking at individual characteristics such as age or disability or, or, or housing security in isolate as, as if they're isolated um, criteria, mm -hmm. which they're not, right? They're not. And that's always does a disservice to the conversation in my mind when we try to separate or put people in these categories so kind of systematically, because that's not the, re the way life works. And it's definitely not the way lives unfold. So I always... I always struggle with that conversation. Yeah, me too. I, I think a lot about that um, on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, you know, I see people in the community that I talk to and and I just randomly, uh, you know, ask them like, you know, how how is, um, you know, the economy uh, affecting your life on a day-to-day -day basis and like uh, food insecurity or rent, um, you know, what would you like to see changed going forward? And, you know, most people I, I talk to tell me, I, you know, I just want a safe place I can call home. I want to make sure I got enough uh, proper food that I don't have to be eating junk food um, or skipping meals just so that I can go and pay a bill uh, or pay my rent. And if I don't pay my rent, then I'm on the edge of now homelessness. And and I said, well, yeah, I said, then what? Then you're going to qualify for for BC housing because you've got to be homeless in order to or uh, on the verge of it. Uh, um, yeah, there's like so many categories within that, but uh, mm -hmm. so everything's you know, driving uh, crisis to get the support you need, rather than yeah. it being like proactively offered. Yeah, yeah, and that's what people yeah. tell me. They said if if that was just offered to them, they could actually better their life in so many ways, mm -hmm. uh, and that's the kind of what's echoing across. I think uh, in a lot of areas of every province in Canada, really, uh, and uh, you know, and I'm glad that we're having this discussion because it's so important that. The, the message needs to get echoed out to the government of saying, okay, these are the issues that are outstanding that we need to modernize our systems to um, better people's well-beings in the country. Um, yeah, and you're right. I mean, there's a lot of like people that are homeless that they could be uh, veterans. They, they've served in this country as uh, for, for you know, during the war um, and now they're disabled. So now they're disabled veterans or they're disabled um, citizens who couldn't afford a market rent. Uh, mm -hmm. Now there's a long waiting list to get into a BC housing. I mean, that, that list keeps growing for years. I mean, last thing check, uh, time I checked, it's like well over 10 years. Um, yeah, so one question that I have for you, Brent, and I'm sure I, we, we both know that the, the BC budget is coming up in, in February. Yeah. Uh, one of my concerns... And I, I'm just curious if you've had the same thoughts. Because we have the Canadian disability benefit kind of looming in the background, do you think that the provincial governments like are kind of holding off on any meaningful investment for PWD benefits while they're waiting for the Canadian disability? That's one of my concerns. That is like... Uh, yes, actually, I, I do a lot of, um, of uh, <laughs> soul searching on that too. And, uh, and, 
and really uh, kind of crunching down the variables on it. And, and yeah, you're absolutely right. That is one of my fears is uh, that the provincial government is waiting on that. Uh, and I think it's the federal government had said, probably told them that, yeah, we're working on this. It's coming soon. And then they keep delaying it, delaying it. So now it's the opportunity of saying, oh, well, we don't have to put anything in the budget because the federal government's going to do this. And now it's not going to be until at least minimum, I heard, is that June 2025 is yeah, so the, the earliest. This is going to deepen, right? The po like yeah. People are going to go deeper, deeper into poverty and crisis while we have kind of that jurisdictional battle between the provinces and the and the federal government in terms of who's actually going to step up and meaningfully support people yeah. in poverty. Um, so, yeah, I really do think that there's, you know, there's a role for Inclusion BC and, and folks like yourself to keep that pressure on provincially and be like, no, you have a responsibility here, too, and our expectations and I uh, mm -hmm. expectations going into the 2024 budget is that we'll see a lift, a meaningful lift. Yeah, and that's right. what, I, right. what I'm wanting to see, too, is uh, in the meantime, while they wait for the federal government to maybe do the uh, Canada Disability Benefit, the uh, the actual financial part of it. Um, the, I want to see the provincial government actually meaningfully uh, increase the rates to a livable a livable standard and uh, nothing less. Um, I mean, nothing less than the poverty level. Like it needs to be above yeah. the poverty, like nothing less, nothing more, nothing less, but it needs to be at that and plus tie it to inflation so that, and then when the federal government does kick in, now they can actually work on that and top it up to even higher. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, I've been wrong before, but I have a hunch that the BC government won't claw it back. I guess it will depend on how they deliver it. Like if it's a, like an income, because that's still being developed. If it's kind of like a um, income, like an EI type model, there's potential. But I think if they attach the Canadian disability benefit to existing um, benefit regimes here provincially, I would be really surprised to see the BC government claw it back. But I still think I, I, if I lived in a different prop, if I lived in Ontario or Alberta, I might not be saying the same yeah. thing. Um, oh. But I am optimistic that the BC government will do the right thing and, and ensure as much money goes into people's pockets as possible. But where, I, where I'm not as confident is in that waiting period between when it's meaningfully um, resourced by the federal government and what happens to people in these next two years right like that mm -hmm. that, that that feels a bit more unknown there is yeah. a uh, there is a part of a um in the committee stage when the developing the uh canada disability benefit uh there was an mp uh for the uh, federal green party uh and we've had um, that mp actually on our our show here um, and, um mp uh mike maurice Mm -hmm. uh, and he's the uh, he's the member for Kitchener, Ontario, and uh, he did pass managed to pass the part in the bill that actually did state, and he was really excited about it because there was a part where that it's agreement there that the provinces won't claw that back. So he was able to get that part in there where there's an agreement. Now is will the provinces comply with it? But it basically, it did say that don't claw this back with the federal government tops it upon provincial. Now they just have to get all the provinces saying yes, we agree with that. So that's kind of where yeah. that. Yeah, I've, I've always thought too is like I, I can't. This is my stance on it. I can't think that the federal government would be on board with the idea of like we're going to give you this top up, mm -hmm. and it's like you know go ahead provinces keep clawing back. It's fine, and we'll just top up whatever you're calling. I can't see them saying. That's yeah. okay. You know, I, I can't see the federal government saying, well, it's it's fine. You you could claw back the stuff and we'll just top up uh whatever you're clawing back. I can't see them uh mm -hmm, I can't mm -hmm. see them agreeing to that somehow. Yeah, and we, we used yeah. to receive a lot of assurance from Minister Qualtra that that wouldn't um happen. Um mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. Uh, since the the shuffle uh, nationally, I, I don't know that we've had the new minister make us strong statements. Um, certainly, we have um, our provincial NDP party speaking in it, into it quite regularly, and as well as we were talking about earlier, is the emergency benefit speaking into the need for that. Um, but I haven't seen. A, I certainly haven't seen anything budgeted for for that as when no. the economic statement that was released before the holiday break there. 
I was yeah, talking. We... I was talking to a friend of mine just before just before we launched the show, actually, and he was oh. saying that uh, he got it uh, from a little birdie, so to speak. Uh, there's uh, Megan yeah. Megan <laughs> Gilmore, uh, who is a reporter uh, for for AMI. Oh yeah, uh, AMI TV. Uh, she has heard now, and I think we kind of all knew this that, of course, the um, the CDB, uh, you know, goes into effect officially uh, in uh, it'll be June of 2024. That'll be the one year mark, right? Mm -hmm. But but then from that point on, the government still has an, an extra year. To actually, right. to actually uh, implement it and like fund it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so and according to her, and, and I think according to everybody now, uh, she's thinking, well, it'll maybe be like June of 2025 then. Yeah, or um, July or somewhere in the, in the summer. Well, I, I don't think they can push it much higher than that. But I mean, I will see the amount. But, the amount is still absolutely. Yeah, the amount is still not... an <laughs> unknown. Um, yeah. I did watch the I did watch one really disappointing clip and you, you may have watched it, too. And I'm sorry, I don't remember who asked the question, which journalist asked the question. But it was in response to the fall economic statement where, um, you know, the, the 20 billion dollar question came up and it was kind of scoffed at by by my mm -hmm. Mr. Freelander just being like, yeah, 20 billion dollars. We can we can only do so much. I can't remember the yeah. exact but that was a really yeah, kind I saw of, that. that was yeah. a very discouraging one attitude towards the benefit, but also just you know, it wasn't a comment that instills much confidence that they will be funding mm -hmm. at the level that we anticipated or hoped for. But you know, everyone has off days and I'm just hoping she was having an off day and was put off mm -hmm. by Oh, so some unrelated issue to disability yeah. but um that was a bit that was a that was a bit of a discouragement for me when i saw that thinking oh yeah. that does not instill much confidence in this government's willingness to fund this to the level that we're hoping that they fund it um but inclusion oh. bc is a member of inclusion canada so as much as we work in allyship with our national partners, we do try to focus our efforts on provincial systems and provincial advocacy and provincial investment. So uh, really wanting to keep our expectations high of the BC government in terms of what they're investing. And particularly as we see this increasing conversation about the missing middle, when we're talking about our housing crisis, that always concerns me when we're developing responses or, or strategies that come straight down the middle of, yep. of our population base rather than thinking like in terms of inclusive design or or planning to the margins mm. um because we know usually where that leaves people with disabilities right it, it, the, yep. particularly those that are most marginalized by our systems when our strategies are designed in nature to hit people in that middle that missing middle and the middle income bracket um, so really right now, our conversations with the Ministry of Housing as well as Social Development Poverty Reduction is that conversation about plan for equity. Like, mm -hmm. I can't count the number of times I've said that or hashtag that or, yeah. but I don't know, I don't know how to get into that conversation that's so heavily endorsed by the working middle class and obviously the need for housing security there as well. Mm -hmm. What implications that has for the margins yeah i was always like one, plan one, for equity plan for equity think about everybody yeah. like yeah. stronger bc for everyone is it for everyone like yeah. just pushing that, that question when we yeah. hear these blanket statements yeah but then we read the fine print and people with disabilities aren't there yeah one, it's one thing that we could left out, you know it's like there's yeah. a list there's a list and then it just stops yeah. short of <laughs> People with disabilities. <laughs> yeah, magically disappears. Yeah. One thing that we can maybe be a little bit confident in, perhaps, is uh, a lot of government is throwing around the M MBM, which is the market basket measure, right? And even yeah. when we had uh, Sheila Malcolmson on, who is the minister yes. of, minister for in BC here, the minister of social development here, yeah. uh, she yeah. has thrown around the her as well mbm is is what they're targeting right so yeah. if we go by by that mm -hmm. and we, we trust that 
Sheila Malcolmson as well is looking at the MBM measure, then the current measure is around uh, $2,100 a month, roughly, mm-hmm. between, maybe between 21 and 22, right? Probably yeah. we want, we want to say we want to gear towards the lower because we know the government's always yes, going to go, go, go to the lower anyway. So, so let's yeah. say maybe worst case scenario is like $2,100 a month. So, right. so even if we, even if we go with that um, already, that's a good because uh, right now the um, disability amount now in the province is around thirteen hundred dollars for a single, right? Mm-hmm. So going from thirteen to twenty-one, that's a pretty significant jump. I mean, that would that would jump. be pretty transformative for you know a fair a fair number of people, provided that they open it up as as you said, uh, Carla, that they open it up to enough people. Uh, yeah. And they, they don't disqualify you, uh, you know, because so that's a significant jump going from 13 to 20. I didn't see your show with Sheila, but or, or Minister Malkinson, but was the, the idea that that is the direction they were going is to bring persons with disability well, rates up to market math? Like, I have never. Uh, well, uh, when, that would when, be so exciting. When they. <laughs> when they have the cdb i, I think oh, that's, okay. I, yeah. I think that that's yeah. the conversations that, that she's been having behind the scenes with the federal government mm-hmm. is yeah. the, the yeah. understanding is that the the cdb would bring it bring People it up there. to yeah. bring it up no. to the level of the top up of 2100 a month you know in the, in the briefs that we've submitted in our conversations with members of parliament we've been pushing that to 2023 just to take into account the additional um disability related costs right like so yeah it should be I, more that, that's one that the, as an economic indicator i don't think it's fully um that, that right. one of the the weaknesses of it but it is 21 yeah. would be would be huge, huge, significant increase for people. Yeah. And 23 would even be better. And uh, yeah, index sure. would even be better. Yeah. And, um, and there, I, was, there, was, there was lots of um, big discussions at the beginning when the CDB was launched. And uh, a lot of people in the disability community across the country of organizations, we all kind of thought, well, you know, hey, provincial, this is a provincial amount. Now the federal is going to give this amount. So it's going to be that plus that. And people are like, Wow, that our rates will be like twenty eight over three thousand dollars a month, and then the federal government kind of quietly says, "Well, hang on, put the brakes on. Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna combine these two. It can't be any more than maximum the MBM." Um, So yeah, it's you know they're gonna you know they're gonna uh, go with a low number. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But it does sound that they're they are targeting the MBM. But they're going to go with the lowest MBM possible, though. You know, yeah. you know that's going to be true. Up to the poverty level, though, at least that's going yeah. to be it'll be up to that level. It'll be um, the most significant increase we've seen in it will, it will my be twenty huge. years working as an huge. ally, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, no, it, it it will it'll help. Like it, it'll mm-hmm. it will it will be significantly changing people's lives. And one of the things, even when we saw the this, the incremental increases during COVID, the three hundred dollars, like people, it did oh, it did yes. make people's lives better. So yeah. if you're thinking about you know the jump from thirteen plus to twenty one plus, like like twenty one thousand or twenty one hundred a month, that will significantly help people. It it really made a huge difference, uh, Carla, on that three hundred dollars when they did have that. Uh, the minister at the time, uh, Minister uh, Simpson, yeah. Simpson, was the minister. Uh, and um, we were living in Langley. Uh, my my roommate and I, we were living in Langley at the time mm-hmm. and uh, had the media come out because we were really advocating strong on that. We were actually part of the, the 300 to live campaign. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we we had the media come out and they, they said, well, we'd love to do a story, uh, both of you, and uh, asked, asked us a question and said, so... You, you, where do you live? Uh, you live at that building? I said, yes. Now, like, how is it? I go, it's great. It's a brand new building. We moved in there because we, we had the $300 and the, and the ministry's office had said that, yeah, going forward. Um, yeah, they're, they're going to, they're, they're going to keep like, they're going to keep it. This is the amount going forward, Brent. This is your, your entitlement amount. This is uh, what you need to give to landlords. So I said, oh, okay. So they said, yeah, like once they put the $300 in, it's kind of like a pilot project right now during COVID but going forward, this is the amount, and uh, don't worry about it. Like it's going to stay there. They're going to put that in the budget. And so uh, we had the media come out and said, "Well, what would happen if they took this away? What? How would that change your life?" 
And Sonia I don't said, worry, I don't like the direction the story is going because I know no. you're no longer living in Langley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so the media asked Sonia a direct question: What would happen if, if we took this away from you right now? And she said we would have to move. And I said, yeah, we would have to move. And so, unfortunately, we we moved and we um, we looked around in Langley, and every corporate landlord around were saying that our income had to be around forty five hundred dollars a month minimum. They would go with minimum forty five hundred. They said ideally uh, six thousand uh, dollars would be ideal, but we'll go as low as forty five. And I I said, well, this is my entitlement. This is how much I get per month. And they said, oh, can you maybe that the ministry will top it up. Uh, they're not going to give me $2,000 a month. I mean, that would be nice, wouldn't it? And they're like, well, unfortunately, yeah, my boss won't rent if, uh, to you guys. I mean, you guys seem awesome people. You pay your rent on time. Uh, but yeah. And so we got this echoing across a whole bunch of places. Mm -hmm. We took it to an MLA's office. And they're like, well, we've never heard of this before. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. How can you not heard about this before? Maybe they haven't. I don't know, but it just seemed kind of odd to me. So we were scrambling around, Carla, and uh, we were still renting. And we said to our landlord, well, what if we find a place? What if we need to go and uh, move? And like we were still on a lease. Like we were on our lease. We had to break our lease. And it cost us equal to what our rent was. Yeah. And that was a lot of money. <laughs> but we were able to afford that because that's what we had to $300. They took it away. So now we had to quickly say, okay, we cannot afford this now. What are we going to do? So we found a place in Victoria, a lot less in rent, but you get what you pay for. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're still looking. We're still looking. We still like the lower mainland. And uh, that's one of our, um, on our bucket list that we want to get back there. The reason why also is not just um, because we're familiar with, with the lower mainland. And I like Victoria. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's a very beautiful place. I encourage people who haven't been to Victoria, come to Victoria, check it out. And I'm not, I'm not part of It's a nice place to visit. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, you, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a nice place to visit. It's a really good, awesome place to visit. But to live here to for accessibility-wise, for transit, it's yeah. very <clears> difficult <throat> for myself and for Sonia to get around on the transit. We take us almost an hour about to get to Superstore from here. Um so, uh, you know, or, or any other cheap stores. So long story short is um, I find that the transit service in the lower mainland is more accessible for me um, and for like walking distance to get to and from appointments, um, any other shops to go to, uh, go to the rec center. It's, it was convenient. We could just go there and get some exercise in and better your health and your well-being. Um, it, it, was, it was awesome. And when all that was taken away, it really took a toll on um, not just myself, but on my roommate, Sonia. Um, and she talked to her doctor last night and he said, it sounds like you, you need to be back in Langley, Sonia. And because uh, he had called because she had to get a prescription made and she had to wait a day and a half to get him to call because they were so overwhelmed uh, of a shortage of doctors. Right. But her, mm -hmm. her that's her, her family. That's a whole doctor. other show. That one. We yeah. could talk no, about no. that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, but getting to that, it, it's like, um, like he said, sounds like that's where you need to be. But she comes down to the affordability issue again, because he says, well, Sonia, it's expensive in Langley. It's expensive there now to live. And I randomly, Carla, looked at the rental prices last night. And a place that we moved from, just get this, $1,995 now. Wow. And like, Wow. Yeah, and we oh, had wow. a we had a two bedroom at that same place. The place now they want a one bedroom for nineteen hundred ninety five. I thought, wow. Yeah. So I guess what the part I'm worried about is anybody PWD um, in BC or actually any province, but in BC alone here, if they move out of a market rent because maybe the housing, like you know, is not suitable like for ourselves. It's I'm scared because if reasons, I yeah. Yeah, now the price is way up there. Like, how am I, how are we going to, you know, reach for that and go, okay, should we stay where we are? Most people I talk to say, Brent, Sonia, stay where you are. Like, yeah, for now. Um, so one of the things, one of the pieces of advocacy that I've, like every election for the last several, and as well as every budget that we go into, I think we need to acknowledge, and, and I think we have, that there's insufficient social housing stock, right? Like there's not mm -hmm. enough to meet the demand as per, as per the wait list. Mm -hmm. And that the increased demand for rentals is driving the market up. Um, mm -hmm. 
while we're waiting for the Canadian disability benefit to be budgeted and, and, and money, I, I do think that there's a, it's a very fair ask to be asking for portable rental supplements attached to individuals to allow oh. them to access. Amen. Amen. Right? Like, so, <laughs> Amen. so it, it kind of goes back to the conversation we were having yeah. earlier is like, there are some, if you're precariously housed or homeless, right? Like, mm -hmm. so it, again, in order to access those services that you would need to be, you would need to be, um, homeless and then and then mm -hmm. that there's some other supplement programs i think there's around 2000 of them available and then we were able to secure an additional 50 for people that are eligible for community living bc supports but some research that we had uh, done a few years back is there's at least 5000 people looking for a home that are are not appropriately um housed mm -hmm. and then we went municipality municipality and we we know that market rent has gone up 30% since the last census Mm -hmm. Wow. And that if you look at persons with disability benefits and people who have roughly $500 a month to cover rent, the, the really, and we have it by bachelor, we have it by one bedroom, two bedroom. And we know that the affordability gap is sitting, depending on where you live, and like it, it could be a little bit different in Victoria than it is in Langley, but it's sitting around $875 all the way up to $1,200 in some jurisdictions. So what we need is a portable rental supplement that allows people to access market housing while we're catching up on building social housing stock. Yeah, like 100%, I, don't think, 100%. I, don't, I don't think they're going to fund something like that indefinitely, but yeah. at least they have to acknowledge the crisis that we're currently in. Mm -hmm. Here's and for equity, ensure that people have a place to live. Well, yeah. you, you make a great point, and that goes back to the whole point of when I said, Brent, we always talk about uh, disabled versus disabled because yeah. uh, we have the government does give uh, subsidies or subsidized rents for some people like right. in, in in my situation and like I don't know if you know Carla but in my situation I've had my uh, survivor's pension from my first wife clawed back for the last 10 years uh, as unearned income um, and you know I have I own my uh, I own my place here uh, well, like back when back when we had money, mm -hmm. we, we were we were able to buy. Uh, we bought it for like one twenty nine. But right now, uh, my last property assessment, it's gone from one twenty nine. And this is again, we're uh, I've lived here for eighteen years, and it was ten years old at the time when we moved in. So now we're talking about we're talking a twenty eight year old condo, mm -hmm. two bedroom condo, two bath, twenty eight years old. It's now. Again, we bought it for one twenty nine. It's now appraised for over six hundred thousand dollars. Six hundred thousand oh. dollars. So I have to pay. I have to pay the tax on that, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy. And so, um, you know, I'm I'm still trying to afford. <laughs> I'm still trying to afford a mortgage, right? And yeah. and the the provincial government does have subsidies for um for widows and widowers, but. Mm -hmm. They, I don't count for okay. for for whatever right. reason. I don't count. They they say, well, uh, we're not going to give you the subsidy. Well, we'll we'll claw you back. Is it about stacking benefits? There's another conversation I could have. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Don't know. I, I, I think it's because yeah. I'm not. I think it's because I'm not a renter. I think. I think they only give the subsidies to renters. So yeah. I think they figure if you have their house, you're, 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 they exempt you you're, from you're, you're uh, have you applied for some exemption to policy? Like I'll, I'll try anything. Well, <laughs> I know. Like, I mean, yeah. I've, I've been fighting this thing for 10 years yeah. and I just oh, think that the whole, seems so unfair. Like, should we I just think the whole thing yeah, is messed yeah, up, right? it's... Yeah. Because you still got to pay your taxes. So, I mean, that, that rent amount could still go toward your taxes. Like they should be giving your, your you cost that. of living is still increased regardless yeah. of how you're living. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's, uh, and again, that's what the whole thing of like, disabled versus disabled or disabled yeah. versus uh elderly even you know like it's like you deserve this yeah, there's a lot of exclusionary this. criteria yeah. built to yeah. systems yeah. and um and, and i and i think that needs to change too mm -hmm. here's another uh, pitch though too uh carla that when i had the uh minister from social from uh, social development and poverty reduction um on the show last year yeah, I can't believe it's already 2024 now. I say last year, <laughs> uh, um, Sheila Malcolm sent on. I, I had pitched an idea, and actually, we had um, myself, uh, Sonia, and uh, Jeff Leggett 
uh, he's a fierce advocate also too. And, you know, Jeff, you know, keep up the great work. Um, definitely. We pitched an idea uh, in person. And when I had her on the show, I brought the same idea forward again. Yeah. And, yeah, and Sheila thought uh, it was brilliant. And when I say brilliant idea, um, so here's the, uh, here's the, you know, the pitch is now, as you know, seniors have seniors have a, um, the safer program. Yeah. And you've got senior, um, single mothers, single fathers. I mean, they are, they should have all, even including Neil should have that same program. But again, he's, he doesn't have that, uh, that same criteria to get it. Um, now it's, um, it's called, um, um, it's a rental assistance program. I call it RAP, you know, yeah. <laughs> RAP. No, I was called RAP. But uh, yes, yeah, so <laughs> now the idea to uh, to Sheila that I said people in BC housing, they have the uh, the rental assistance program, but it's uh, rent geared to income. Now, people that are disabled that live that pay market rent in the private sector. Uh, I always call it the private sector because there's always private versus public. Mm-hmm. Now, it gets confusing because even under the public sector, they can still have private sector. And I learned that from an MLA who told me that I went, what? He goes, oh, yeah, like that's where it gets really confusing. But I said, let's just call, you know, an apple and an orange. Let's just keep it that way. So in the private sector, a majority of PWD in BC pay market rent, the majority of them. Mm-hmm. Now, what I, the pitch I had said to Sheila Malcolmson was, that why don't we extend the program that those programs that are there under BC housing umbrella over to PWD in market housing. And so she goes, well, they, they get the 375. I go, well, and then I said, well, yeah, and that was going up to the 500, but now extended over. So now everyone in, in, in the BC uh, private market housing paying the corporate landlords, but have that access to that same program. And now they can actually, pay less rent so they can put that money back into the economy rather than paying it to the corporate landlord directly she thought that was a brilliant idea yeah, yeah it is i mean that's but, 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 that's but here's, what they should do but here's the thing though right now how the programs are designed carla is that it's based on a household income it should be based on the individual right, so right. economy wise so that that person has that that power to make decisions for themselves so that they're in an abusive relationship or they need to <clears throat> flee violence, whatever it may be. They, all, they, they leave, they can still have that wherever they go. Yeah. It travels. With, yeah. I always call that portable. Like goes with that, the person. Yeah, yeah. That's another, yeah. that's yeah. another thing, Carla. Do you get, you do get into the, uh, the, the marriage equity uh, conversation a lot in your, uh, with uh, inclusion BC? Do you, yeah, do I'm you kind of wondering. Do you talk about yeah, that? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we've spoken into it many, many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's, there's, it's discriminatory, right? Like yeah. so mm-hmm. many people have had, you know, th- that have, that, you know, mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't say it on a roommate, but you, you know, there yeah. are yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. like it, it's just, it's, it's not a dignified approach to being, um, a human being, right. That you need, yeah. that you would be discriminated based on having a relationship or a family. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Um, on an individual level, we just kind of stay in our lane and hear it as we're right. as people tell it to us because we do we would never want to jeopardize someone's um, happiness uh, yeah. because yeah. because of their they're cohabitating romantically or not. None of our business. On yeah. a systemic level, of course, yeah. So when we when we we tend not to dive into that as hard as we do some other issues, but we're certainly acutely aware of it and have strong feelings that it's discriminatory mm-hmm. and that people should be supported individually, particularly, yeah, the number of people that we work for and with that have intellectual and developmental disabilities that are in relationships, that's a bigger issue because people aren't supported to have romantic lives more generally by our systems, by like, yeah. like so yeah. it, it does, it does resonate a little bit different in the work that I do, Neil, but of course, yeah, yeah we, yeah. we see it as discriminatory. Um, it's just another reason why people don't, don't explore love like for yeah I, I or mean, publicly I, yeah. publicly explore like being a complete human being and being in relationship we're actually reducing re- uh, releasing a film this month or maybe it's next month that kind of touches on all of that so oh, in terms of the conversations with ministers we always mention it as a kind of a underlying note of how it, there's additional levels of discrimination in our regimes but we tend to focus more heavily on on increasing the rates 
Yeah. Uh, stacking benefits on, um, you know, enhancing, you know, you know, not leaning so heavily always on SDPR, but other systems stepping up with yeah. more intentionality, like health and education and, um, and like Ministry of Children and Family. So, yes, but I wouldn't yeah. say like if, if you were to search inclusion BC um, spousal benefit, you probably wouldn't probably be a top hit, but okay. uh, we're very aware of it. And but do you, know, you, do you remember uh, back at, at the beginning of, near the beginning of the uh, pandemic, when the pandemic hit, there was Sophie Louis. Do you, you know Sophie Louis from uh, Global BC? She's she's a, she's yeah. a, a, the TV, uh, like a newscaster, Sophie Louis. And and she was, I think she did a, a tweet or something, mm -hmm. and, and she talked about uh, how the racial hatred, uh, because she's Asian, and mm -hmm. she was talking about how racial racial hatred had had kind of gone like spiked up uh, because everybody's thinking, oh, this this pandemic, uh, you know, came from China or whatever, right? I think that. Oh yeah, yeah. Might, oh, I'm remembering might, it now. That, that might have been it. that might have been some of some of the narrative anyway. So so anyway, she was saying that she had really noticed a, a big increase in this mm -hmm. uh, racial hate, hatred uh, thing since the pandemic. And and she used the term "othered." She says, "I feel othered," and oh. and I thought that was kind of a brilliant word because <laughs> I mean that applies to absolutely disability one hundred percent. I mean the 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 BC government and other governments across Canada. Um, that's what our, the current social sy systems do. They other us. <laughs> Like we're not seen as uh, a full person that that deserves, like we said, deserves a relationship, an education, um, a job, a house. Yeah. Like we're we're a less than we're we're othered. We're we're kind of the discard pile, so to speak, right? Yeah, like, because you're, mean, you're yeah. over here somewhere in this discard pile as an as an other, and 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 the government is fine fine with that. Yeah. And and I remember and giving less and giving less because of that, right? Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I, so I remember when Sophie Louis Louis actually said use the word other, and I know she was saying that from from a different lens, from right. from, from a lens yeah. of of racial. She was being marginalized by race versus yeah, disability, but the but, but, the, but the fact that she right. said I feel yeah. othered, uh, that, like that to me, like something went off in my head as soon as she said that. It's like that yeah. that is. To a yeah. T, that is what disability is. I know. didn't hear the interview, but I, I definitely am aware with the concept. And definitely where I see that most pervasively is in our schools and our education systems, that children with disabilities yes. almost don't deserve the same educational opportunities. As long as you're attached to a school and sharing air, we call that inclusive education. Um, and not across the board. There's good teachers, there's bad teachers. Every system has, you know... Um, Mm -hmm. has its pros and its cons but there's there's a significantly where that othering begins it be, like it comes back to where we started it begins in our child care centers where you're excluded from having attending your child care centers with your with your your siblings and right. then it perpetuates into the education system where you may be excluded from school or segregated in a different classroom or pulled out mm -hmm. here or there, um, probably not graduating with the same credentials. So that othering starts so early that mm -hmm. we this phenomenon of acceptance, that it's okay to other people with disabilities because that's all you've ever experienced as a non-disabled person in your life growing up, unless you yeah. unless you are an ally to people with disabilities. It becomes yeah. this kind of one place where it's still kind of pretty acceptable more broadly to discriminate and other, and then our governments just follow they follow the lead on that. They follow mm -hmm. the trend, right? If their yeah. voters aren't going to be offended by people with disabilities being othered, well, then we can continue to plan and produce and fund things the way we're doing, which is why I think it's so important that the disability community and your and our and allies like myself, we come together as a voting block and we, we're like, we're not okay with this anymore, right? Like I'm not okay with people with disabilities being othered by mm -hmm. our childcare systems, our school systems, our workforces, our housing providers, our medical professionals. Like, so, but you're, you're absolutely right, Neil. It, it's just, 
the reason I think the reason why it hit so close to home, it was it finally gave like a definition to these like guttural feelings that are attacking people's identity and self-esteem, right? Mm. Like just being like, yeah, that's a horrible well, realization that that's how some people see me, right? Yeah. And as someone who walks alongside and journeys alongside people in their families, it's a horrible feeling to see the people that you care about and work, but treat it that way. Like, it's just, it's just mm -hmm. so wrong. It's so wrong. Well, you know, when, when I was going to school, um, I, I wasn't fast at writing. So they, they, uh, I had a, um, I had a, uh, kind of like a tutor coming in yeah. and teaching me how to touch type and put a hand book over my hands. So I couldn't mm -hmm. see what I was typing. And I had to memorize oh. where the key were. And, and, and like literally, and I usually was typing up to like 120 words a minute. And they said, go as fast as you want. Which is great. I can't even hit like a 30. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. And so, you know, and I kept going over and over because I was having trouble reading the projector screens because it was too far away. The print was too tiny. And so I would get stuff blowing up. But and, and it was like... The, the teachers felt that, oh, well, this would be the best for me. Well, the, rather than asking me what's good for me, oh, and it was way, way too big. So now I would be losing track <laughs> on, the, on the paper, literally paper, of where I am reading this. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, and again, oh, well, we need to put you in another room, though, and teach you rather than in the class. And I said, no, right. I want to be in the class. No, no, it's better this way. And yeah, for who? And so, yeah. I, you know, as I was going through school and I going through high school and I kept saying the same thing, the same line going, no, I don't want this. And so when I got through college, same thing. Mm -hmm. And I said, nah. and you know, my, one of my instructors, Carla said, Brent, it, it's not okay. It's not okay. for them Was it okay? Then it's not okay now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I said, yeah, you're okay, but it's I not talk okay. about um, it's okay my... for you, the one doing it, not for the one receiving yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. talk about my <laughs> journey of inclusion in in my book, my uh, daddy, oh, daddy you're an author too. Oh my yeah, god, daddy yeah. bent legs. If you look look it up, daddy bent legs. Oh, okay. Um, that, that's my my book, and I talk about because um, like I I used to go like uh when I was like six and seven I when uh like gf strong i don't know if you remember gf strong used to have a it's a rehab center right but it used to have a school in there mm -hmm. and uh and uh so i i went to school there as well uh and then um but i remember always coming home you know because like in my home life like i have a you know, a normal sister that would treat me like a normal sister does, you know? And, and then we had uh, like tons of kids in our neighborhood. Like I grew up in Burnaby and there was tons of kids mm. and like, you'd be, be, play, be playing like hide and seek or kick the can or something. And no, yeah. nobody, no, nobody paid any attention to my, to my crutches at all. Right. And, and so it was a really weird thing of, of going to geo strong and being surrounded mm. by wheelchairs and crutches and stuff and and everybody being constantly reminded of your disability and crutches and wheelchairs and things and i said to my parents you know like and this this was when i was like seven and eight i said uh, like this just feels weird to me so so mm -hmm. i was actually one of the first kids uh from uh geo strong to make the jump into uh our, the regular huge. school system mm -hmm. and well. uh, you know and it went well but i remember you know that first year especially when i first came to the school and I, I went from the transition. Uh, I went from basically equivalent grade two to a grade two normal. Yeah. And, and at first the teachers weren't sure like if I could handle it or not. And they weren't sure if mm -hmm. I knew the answer. And so when they would call on me and actually I knew the answer they like, wow. So I, I guess we can call on you and, and be fine then. But yeah. So, um, you know, we I, shouldn't I, have had to prove yourself, right? Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. gosh. But anyway, you know what? We're we're almost at the top of the hour. Oh and, my goodness, you're right. That didn't go by so fast. Yeah, I told you. I told you. Oh my gosh. So you know, and I mean, I think we're going to have to do a part two. Uh, and yeah. 
Back on. <laughs> we, want you, we want you to a bit more direction. Like, let's pick a topic. We, no, yeah. this was so fun. This was so fun. Thanks for like what a what a wonderful conversation with the both of a you. A good way to kick off. So honored to be your first guest in 2024. Yeah. Oh, I'm totally, uh, totally honored yeah. to have you on. Um, you know, I it's this has been great. Um, one thing, uh, just kind of uh, for us to wind down on the on the session here too is, um, I'm gonna dive into next time I might have you on, but I'll give everybody a little sneak peek of it is I want to talk about uh, uh, ADHD and um, and other other conditions with uh, people with disabilities have in the school system uh, autism um, I, I know um, a couple of people who had just re recently moved from BC to Manitoba to Winnipeg and I had them recently on my show and they had to move because of environmental issues and also the cost of living it which now pushed them out of BC. Yeah. So they, had, they moved to Winnipeg and uh, I, you know, I, I know I have a feeling they're going to be back um, because they had moved from there to here because of the weather, uh, winter pig, right? I've, I've never been there. My dad lived there, uh, Carla, when I, and I saw him when I was a kid, but I didn't go there in the winter. And I said, I want to come there in the winter. He says, no, Brent, you do, no, you not, <laughs> want, you do not want to go there. I said, yes, I do. He goes, no. So, this I, so I, I asked I asked these uh these friends that I that I know and they said trust me you don't your dad's right and I mean God rest my dad's soul but uh you know <laughs> they said trust me you do not want to come here in the winter. Well, but, one of our members is the ADHD Society. If you're looking for future guests, Brent, yes. sure they would be happy to to come and speak about their experience. Sure, mm -hmm. if you can uh, maybe uh forward it on the meal, forward them on the meal. Sure, and, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I, I think um, more advocacy uh, and awareness mm -hmm. on all the inequalities on how uh, people with disabilities are um, treated in the school system. Um, and as going through the school system, as we all have, I mean, as we all know, I mean, there are a lot of inequalities and there's ways of um, re, uh, redoing the whole system of recognizing that nobody should be left behind. One of my one of my dreams for 2024, hopes for 2024, since it's the 2024 show, is that the BC Human Rights Commission does an inquiry into the state of inclusive education. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think we need to take a deep, deep look at what we're actually doing there, and I'm really hoping that the commission will be a be an ally in that. So, Teresa mm -hmm. PWD benefits and uh, inquiry into inclusive education are my hopes for 2024. Well, yeah. one, one good thing is that I learned from the minister when we had um, uh, her on previously last year is that something to look forward to is we have a state-of-the-art computer system coming forward in 2025, and it's going to be able to handle big, giant payouts and, and everything else. So I guess we'll, we'll see, <laughs> see what happens there. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't I, seem super relevant, but I guess there's... Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe an extra big payout for you and me, Brandon. Ooh, I always yeah. say that... The devil's in the detail. That on must that. be what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll find out if there's any more updates on we that. Sure will. We sure we have uh, one. We'll, we'll next. Yeah, but part thank of we're, you so much. We're, we're always looking for uh, for lived experience stories. So uh, this being the first show of the year, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we always put a call out for more lived experience stories. So anybody listening and anybody wanting to come on the show talking about their lived experience, we'd love to have you on. Yeah. yeah, we have this um, new segment. Um, last year, we, we launched it, uh, Carla, and it went really well. Um, so this year, um, lived experience stories, um, we're going to have this as an ongoing, ongoing segment. Wonderful. All, year, all year, all year, lived experience stories. Uh, and so whatever topic is, is it about transportation, which I'm going to be diving in on Monday, by the way, mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about transportation. Is it about accessible? Is it uh, accessibility? Um, whatever the topic is about accessible for you. Is it about housing accessibility? Is it about businesses? About education? Um, like you name it, um, affordable housing. I mean, I don't know who doesn't touch on that one. Yeah, right. right. Is it you about know, pink like, unicorns? Yeah. 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 Right. Right behind me. I, I'm wondering what that pink unicorn is, Carla. Um, uh, yeah. No, which, I said that in your previous shows. Yeah, yeah. I always say that's just magic. Okay. It's just poof. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I need one of those in my background. There like, you go. spice it up. Um, yeah. So one of the things about the lived experience um, stories, do, you, do they invite their allies to come like co-present with them? Yeah, we have a round. Oh, that's table. wonderful. Oh, yeah, that's yeah we have round tables. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. It, it's wonderful. And um, I, I thought of this idea too. And I said, yeah, like, yeah. And uh, with Neil, we kind of worked on that. And we said, <laughs> yeah, we're going to have 
are certain dedicated people that are going to be on there um, always, and then they're going to chime in. So when I talk about transportation on Monday, they're going to give me feedback and saying, yeah, like, like, yeah, I, I, you know, this is what I go through. And then, then from that point on, they may say, Hey, you know what? I want to actually be on and actually talk about this. So everyone's fantastic. You guys mm-hmm. just keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and that was the vision that I came forward with um, when I presented, uh, I talked to Neil about way back in, um, in 20, geez, it seems so long ago. And that does. 2021. <laughs> and I said like, yeah, like I want to do something about lived experience. And like, how do I do this? Like I, and I knew like I wanted to do something and bring people together. And um, it's just been a great success going forward. And it just keeps yeah. on the momentum keeps going ticking faster forward and more people joining in and, and um, bringing what they go through on a day-to-day basis um, to the show. Um, yeah. I think it's so important to talk yeah, about. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, so I tell people like, if you don't want to be on camera, like they, they can, they can uh, mute your picture, uh, whatever it is. And, you didn't um, give me that option. <laughs> well, we want to see your face, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, so I, I want to thank you so much, uh, Carla. Well, the pleasure is mine. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I'm sure you could tell. I could talk about this thing for days, as I'm sure both of you can. <laughs> me, so, too, me, too. I just so, keep going. Well, you, you were worried that you, you couldn't speak for half an hour. You said, I know. That's, that's too long. No, you're right but you, here we you are 100 right that flew by yeah. it's uh, like i said a wonderful way to to wrap uh the first week of 2024 so mm-hmm. yeah and, and great, the, great gratitude uh, to both of you yeah and you're the first first guest on the on the second uh lucky second me season. lucky yeah. me yeah, yeah. yay <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks okay send you both vibes bye okay bye thanks. bye everyone thanks everyone for tuning in